All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rigos Rag Podcast. Ian Cummings here with Nathan Britton and Jacob Kamaker. Uh, the NFL Combine recently wrapped up a lot of interesting developments took place there. Uh, you never want to make closing judgments based on the Combine, but it does provide a lot of information, allows us to quantify potential uh, for the prospects, so a lot of interesting stuff there. And we've got Ken Johansson here, Rigos Rack contributor, BGO writer here, to talk about the Combine and uh, the uh, implications of what happened there. Ken, how you doing? Doing good this evening. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Yeah, it's good to have you back. We've had Ken on a few times this offseason. Always gives great insights. So, um, Nathan, Jacob, how you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. All right. That seems to be the common theme here. Common theme. It's, <laughs> it's the offseason. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. A lot of hype, a lot of rumors. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later if we have time, maybe. But uh, let's talk about the Combine because that was, that was an exciting event that happened uh, this past week and a lot of build up to it with some really well-known prospects and some lesser-known guys uh, kind of built steam for their draft stock so uh, we're going to talk about that ken you were watching the combine i assume uh, just general takeaways from uh from that i have two takeaways first and foremost to me was the speed of some of the outside linebackers uh slash edge players i've never seen speed like that from big such big guys it's about four or five of them that you know were around four four sub four or five and I've never seen anything like it. And it's almost scary to think what they're going to do at the next level and just how quick they can get to the quarterback. And I was reading somewhere that in the first 15 picks, seven edges could go in, the, in that first group. And that's a lot. But it's not surprising uh, when you consider what happened at the Combine. The second story, this also affects the Redskins, and that's Kyler Murray. I don't think they will move up to draft him. But I think the very first day of the combine, there wasn't anything in the way of a 40-yard dash or how much Kyler Murray lifted or anything like that. He did nothing at the combine except show up and had a reported height of just over 5'10", which came in about an inch higher than most people expected. The big thing was he was 207 pounds. And there were strong rumors suggesting that that was water weight. Today I read, and I don't know how credible this is, that he was stretched medically about an inch. I don't know uh, what to think about that. I just think that the supposed water weight gain is something to think about. But I'm wondering if all this is just to uh, enhance his numbers and go first overall to the Cardinals, which is the rumor right now. But I just found that odd, interesting, and I really don't know what to take away from it. Today's report, or the rumor, is something I don't know if I put any stock into it or not. I just chalk it up to a rumor right now. Yeah, that was really interesting. I mean, obviously there was all the all the buzz uh, after his measurements finally came in. It was like 5'10", 207, like you said, and then... Earlier today, there was like a report that his height was inflated or something. And, you know, obviously the Kyler Murray doubters jump on that. You know, all the Kyler Murray supporters kind of defend it. Like, oh, no, no, that, that can't be the case. But a lot of lack of clarity there. And that was that was interesting to me. There was also the um, combine interview reports, which those alone didn't bother me. What did bother me was uh, kind of connecting that back to his Dan Patrick interview, which didn't go over very well. That kind of gave shades of what that might look like. So, you know, lack of preparedness and stuff like that. But 
yeah, a lot of stuff to kind of parse through and uh, not a lot of concrete answers. So I don't know. Nathan, uh, any takeaways you had from the combine in particular? Yeah, uh, this class is full of athletic freaks. I oh, mean, my God, From dude. the Montez Sweat, who measures about right around Preston Smith height and weight-wise, who's running a 4-4 faster than Zeke Elliott, faster than Oda Beckham. I mean, that's that's crazy. And then you have DK Metcalf, who's got, what, like negative 2% body fat, jumping out of the gym, running as fast as he can. And then you get to the stuff where, like, three cones, and it doesn't translate, which I thought was pretty interesting. I hear a lot. I heard a lot of the Kyler Murray stuff. I don't know about this medical stretching out gave him an inch or whatever, but um, I do think that he showed up there to kind of. I think he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to go through the lengths of that to get an extra half an inch. I feel like when he said, you know, I'm five ten, he meant it, and he just showed up there to get weighed in, measured, and not throw. And a lot of people are making a big deal of him not participating in any of the drills. I find that a little bit odd. I think it's a uh, kind of be blown out of proportion we see guys every year who decide not to throw because it's not a uh, really a quarterback friendly environment when you think about your you know timing with these receivers you don't have it you know these receivers might have a bad day might not have great hands so I think him showing up there getting his height and weight and uh, doing the interviews was the most the most important thing that he could have done over the weekend and apparently he bombed a lot of his interviews so didn't help himself in that regard but other than that it seemed uh we've got a lot of guys in this class who are super super athletic it's going to be super fun to watch the next level. Hopefully it all translates. Yeah, it was crazy to see um, Montez Sweat at six foot six, two sixty, 260, running a 4-4-1. I mean, I did not expect that. Um, if you'd asked me what he was going to run before the combine, I would have I would have been way off uh, for sure. And then there were other guys, too, who stood out as well, um, not just in the 40, but in agility drills and, you know, not, not just the edge, too. Like, there's a lot of athletic defensive backs, a lot of fast receivers who can – be really good route runners, really good uh, technicians at the next level. So uh, definitely a lot of learning uh, at the Combine. Jacob, what were your takeaways? Yeah, my takeaways are mostly the same regarding there are a lot of athletic players in this class. Um, I was a big Montez Sweat fan, and I did not expect him to run anything close to what he ran in the 40. And he looked pretty good in the on-field drills. He had a little stiffness, but you can tell that he's an athlete. I think that's going to solidify him as a guy that might go in the top 10. He may just slip outside, but I think he's off the table for the Redskins pick. One of the weirdest testers of this class, I think, was DK Metcalf. First of all, like you said, Nathan, he came in and had barely any body fat, um, which is insane. And if you look at him, you understand why. He's got this huge frame. He ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash. That's crazy. 27 reps at the bench press. That's crazy. But then he, he comes out and he runs in the three cone of 7-3-8, which of all the timed receivers was the slowest. So I view this as the three cone is a very important drill for receivers because it measures agility. I view that as something that could be a negative for him because he didn't look like a natural route runner on tape. I think he's helped himself with the combine, definitely, but I don't know if I see the agility there to make him a top 10 pick like a lot of people are talking about. So I actually think he might slip to the Redskins. One more guy I feel the need to uh, to, uh, bring up is uh, Chase Winovich. He tested very well. Um, There were some concerns about his athleticism, and he quelled those. This guy, he strikes me as a guy that if the Redskins don't get an edge rusher in the first round, this is the type of guy they would target in the second round. You know, he's not the most flashy or athletic type of player, but he has enough athleticism to get by and solid production and just an all-around solid player. He reminds me a little bit of the Trent Murphy, Ryan Anderson type picks they've had on the edge. So 
I'd keep an eye on him. I, I just have a feeling about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, that's kind of uh, been a tipping point for me this offseason is um, edge rusher. Specifically, you know, if you don't take an edge rusher in the first round, where are you going to take one? You know, that, that's been the question I've been trying to answer because to me, there, there haven't been a lot of guys who stand out who could be there in the second round that would provide optimal value. And Chase Winovich is kind of emerging as that kind of guy. And I, I agree with you. As a Michigan State fan, it pains me to say it, but he's looking, he's panning out into a pretty good prospect. So, yeah, definitely a lot of guys to watch. And, you know, going going off of that uh, tangent, specific prospects, uh, Ken, we'll go back to you. We'll focus on the first round pick for the Redskins. Uh, does your opinion there change? Is there a guy that you particularly want there? Uh, realistic? It doesn't have to be necessarily realistic because we don't really know what's going to happen this far out. I mean, but, you know, people can always fall. But is there a guy that you prefer there? There's a multiplicity of players that interest me. I think once we get uh, into free agency starting, what, a week from today, in yeah. fact, uh, next Wednesday, we'll probably start to get a few answers. I would say within after the first few frenzied days of free agency, we'll probably have a better idea of what the Redskins may do in the draft. As far as edge players, I'll tell you, someone that has impressed me who might be there is Brian Burns out oh, yeah. of Florida State. Um, a tad undersized uh, for his height, but he can easily add, you know, five to ten pounds if needed. But I think at his current playing weight, he's about 6'5", 230, maybe 235. He weighed in at the combine 250, I think. He did. Oh, that means he picked up about a good 20 pounds from the last I saw yeah, of him. He, he moved pretty he, good, too. So Yeah, exactly. And that's what impressed me. I wonder if, uh, and Josh Allen out of Kentucky, who's been tabbed as a top five player, can't miss guy, and I agree with that, uh, timed his 40 at uh, 4.7, which is quite a bit slower than many of them. So I'm wondering if he falls, like you know a couple others have in the past couple of years. When John Allen fell to the Redskins uh, in the 2017 draft, no one expected that. I'm not saying it's going to happen with Josh Allen, but based on his 40, I would right now watch him. Cleveland Farrell is another edge that I like who could be there. Um, I, I'm not quite as sold as I am as, say, a, a Montez Sweat um, or Josh Allen or Brian Burns. We know big, uh, big old Nick Bossa out of Ohio State is going to go very early. So let's you know, say that he's just not going to be there at all. So as far as DK Metcalf, my goodness, I have seen him play extensively the last three years, except for the time when he was injured this past season. And down here, I live about 90 minutes drive from Ole Miss campus. And so you're inundated with Ole Miss football. And I got to see him a lot. Now, if you want to send a guy downfield on a straight fly pattern, he's your guy, and he'll make uh, some really good catches. You try to get him involved in all the tree routes, he's not your guy. I, um, I just want to point that out. I do not see him as a first-rounder, but based on his combine, he could very easily go in the first round. But I think a team that does draft him needs to realize that he's only about a two-trick pony, and he's not going to bring you uh, an array of uh, routes 
that uh, makes him an elite receiver, in my opinion. So if I had to focus on one player, though, it would be Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. Uh, and this was before uh, the, the combine. Um, he just has incredible size for an edge. And now we know he has incredible speed. But this is something I saw a lot over the last couple of years because Mississippi State's down the road as well. And you could see a lot of Mississippi, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama games in this area. And he's someone that I haven't really penciled in at 15, but he would be my number one guy right now. Huh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, he's got a very complete game. Uh, I know Jacob is a big fan of him too, and uh, he's got strength, he's got size, he's got what you want. Uh, the combine didn't change anything for me really there. I still like Brian Burns better. Uh, I know I know. Um, Sweat had a faster 40, but I, I'm not sure how how um much a 40 means for an edge rusher i think uh to me the movement was more important mm-hmm. and i thought i thought uh burns was a lot um, a little more fluid there but i mean either one would be a, a really good pick i mean th- this class is crazy top heavy with edge rushers and it's just it's it's insane if, if the redskins let preston smith walk then i feel like you kind of have to hone in on that top end talent i feel like you kind of have to do that just because it's so strong you know you're going to get a a really good player anyway. And I know Cleland Farrell, or Cleland Farrell, I always get his name wrong. But uh, Jacob, you comped him to uh, Ryan Kerrigan a little, I think in an earlier pod, and I, that's, I think that's a really good uh, comp for him. So that's another that's another option. Uh, Nathan, you just texted me with a guy. I, I think you want to talk about him because you texted me. So uh, who's your guy at 15? Uh, yeah, I texted you because you texted me asking. So don't put me on the spot Oh, like okay, that. okay. But... but no, one guy, I'll give you two. Um, I'll give you an offensive one who, it was going to be DK Metcalf. Uh, I don't think he's going to fall to us. Uh, Ken pointed out some good things that might allow him to fall there, but I'm going to focus more on if we don't get Rosen, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later, and if Metcalf is gone, I'm still really interested in, in the Redskins trying to figure out this QB of the future thing, and I really like Drew Locke. I know he's more of a project than a plug-and-play week one kind of guy, but I think he can make all the throws. I think he's got a great touch. He's got a great arm. He's excellent with the media and in the meetings and the personality-wise. I don't think you have anything to worry about there. He's a smart kid, so not to touch too much on him, but I do think that if, if he's there at 15 and the Redskins, uh, let's say Kyler doesn't go 1-1 to the Cardinals or they, you know, someone else blows the Cardinals away and gets Rosen and, and locks in there at 15, I would really like to see the Redskins pull the trigger and try to develop him for the future. But defensively, which I think is the bigger need, uh, I do love Brian Burns. I don't think Montez Sweat's going to fall to us. Brian Burns had a really great combine. I don't think he's going to fall to us either. So I turned my attention to Devin White, the inside linebacker at LSU, who ran the fastest 40 at the combine. And I know that you know no, no one in the NFL is ever going to line up and run a 40 and it's going to win anybody games. But I think that it shows that that athleticism and that speed at that position. I mean, the last... I don't want to say the last, but, you know, we have another linebacker on the team currently who ran a 4-4 at the combine, and Zach Brown, and he's flying around and making all the plays, making, like leading the team in tackles, you know, when he's not injured, he's doing all that. And I know he's a little bit of a uh, casualty or hazard in coverage, but, um, you know, that athleticism's there. The kid won the butt kiss award at LSU this year for the top linebacker in the nation. He's just – he's all around great. I think he'd be a good addition for – Really what we have is a super thin roster spot. We have Reuben Foster, 
You have Zach Brown and Mason Foster, which, one, if not both of those guys are going to be cut, you have Sean Dean Hamilton and Josh Harvey Clevens. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's it. And so, you know, we have the four quarterbacks. Ken mentioned he saw that there could be around seven. I think that's a high number to go in the top ten for pass rushers. But the more of those guys that go, more people that reach for quarterbacks or try to get some of these athletic freaks like in Metcalf or Montez Sweat, the further it pushes White down to us. And I think that if we can get him and put him in next to Ruben Foster, who may serve his suspension, may end up not having to serve one if you listen to Bruce Allen and take him at his word, um, you can have a nice little young building block there right behind a fierce defensive line. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree definitely. It's um, it's crazy. There's a ton of top really talented guys in this draft, and it's just going to – you know someone's going to drop. We just don't know who. You know, like my, my hope is that Montez Sweat's 40 – and a quarterback run could help uh, Brian Burns drop. I don't think it's going to happen because uh, he he had a really solid combine. But you know, and it, it could ha- it could happen for Devin White. It could happen for Montez Sweat. It's just all about kind of capitalizing on that potential ugh, potential return there. So, uh, Jacob, is there anyone that you want to talk about from the combine that you really liked or someone that caught your eye? Uh, Montez Sweat's probably yeah. my guy in yeah. terms of guys to be available for the first pick. Uh, I'm actually instead going to give you a few a few of my predictions. Uh, you guys have all talked about the fact that Brian Burns may not fall to the 15th pick. I think he's going to be there. I think it's a question of whether or not the Redskins will take him. Ooh. Actually, Ooh. Um, just because there are a lot of it, like was mentioned earlier, there are a lot of edge rushers that are going to go in the potential top 15 picks, um, and I kind of think right now it's going to be either Burns or Farrell that gets pushed a little bit down the board and I don't know I, I just got a feeling that Burns is still a, a very talented guy but I think I'm thinking he might be on the board at 15 I think Metcalf might be on the board at 15 I think the Bills might take him the Dolphins might consider taking him but there just aren't a ton of teams up near the top that need a receiver and like like I mentioned earlier Metcalf might have some route running concerns so uh, those are just a couple guys that I would say Keep an eye out with that 15th pick. Like, we may not think they're going to fall now, but I I realistically think those two guys could really fall to them uh, because they each have a, a couple of warts that might push them below some of the other guys at their position. Dude. Jacob, I- Jacob do you think Josh Allen could make that fall? Um, as of right now, I don't know if Josh Allen could make that fall. Um, I just think that, Allen's tape is just so good. I know his athletic testing wasn't good. Um, I, I have a hard time imagining him falling out of the top 10 just because his production this year was insane. But, you know, I'll, I'll go back and watch a little bit more Josh Allen. And, you know, if, if, if he looks less athletic on tape, then maybe he could slip. Yeah, I'm only basing this on the combine and his supposed, I'm putting quotation, slow uh, 40 time and uh, he didn't have as a good combine as some of the other edge players but you know we've seen a player an elite player or two in the past just fall for whatever reason and I'm not saying Josh Allen is the guy this year but it's just a vibe that I have and nothing more yeah. well Ken if I could jump in um, I equate the 40 time for a lot of these these positions uh, kind of like batting average in, in baseball where 
the higher number, or I guess in the case of the 40, the lower number you have, it's, it's sexier, it's more exciting, and it gets people, you know, excited. But really, you look at baseball, you can hit, you know, 270, but if you got a really high OBS, you're, you're arguably more important. And, and you look at football, these 40s are great, but how often are these guys, just if you're not a receiver running a go route or a running back breaking out uh, into the second level, how often are these guys getting on their horse and just going a straight line for 40-plus yards, especially these pass rushers? You need you really need those three cones and all the the broad jumps and all that explosive and agility type stuff because they're going to be doing the bending around these guys and working with their hands and doing all that. They're less about just getting it going now. If they can blow by somebody and bend real quick, obviously that that's where that forty time comes in. But you know you have to have more than um, you know more more than just that. So while Josh Allen's forty time may turn some teams off and may have some teams drop it down their board, I think you know. The tape and all that speaks for itself when you look at what he's able to do and and why he's been considered so high throughout this entire process. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point uh, with, you know, you should never base judgments off the combine alone. The combine, you know, you should always supplement the tape with the combine and the analytics and the the statistics that go into it and stuff like that. So that's that's a good point. And um, you guys are thinking that Josh Allen is going to be up there. I, Man, Jacob, you're talking about Burns being there at 15. I am like, I'm head over heels right now, man. If that happens, he's he's my edge too. Uh, I feel like I'm on an island there, but he's, man, he, he, he's got the bend that I really like from those guys. So if that were to happen, uh, another guy that I kind of like at 15, we'll, we'll get, we're kind of, we're kind of getting low on time. So we're going to pivot, but I'm um, another guy I kind of like, I don't know if they'll pick him. But uh, Garrett Bradbury out of North Carolina State is an offensive lineman that I really like. He's he's got the athletic upside and he's got the high motor. He's got the fundamental prowess there that I I think he could really excel in our our scheme where they kind of they kind of like having those easy moving linemen. So that would that would be something. But uh, we'll see. Let's let's move on because we were kind of hinting at this earlier. Uh, some combine hype. Uh, there were reports that the Redskins were talking to the Cardinals about Josh Rosen. And his availability, and uh, there's rumors that um, Kyler Murray might be a done deal for the number one pick. Cliff Kingsbury is enamored with him, I guess. You know, it, it's all speculation at this point, but um, it, it really, I mean, if you're the Redskins, Ken, what do you do? Do you do you slam the table, do you slap the table, and be like, hey, let's make this move? Or like, what's your take on this? I would say for the first few days of free agency, is be patient. I know that sounds like uh, a contradiction right now, but uh, I saw something earlier today where um, someone put it out there, and I don't know who it was, someone credible, said that uh, the Cardinals could be playing a game with the Oakland Raiders, I mean, yeah, the Oakland Raiders, and trying to entice them to move up. And then they would move down to what the fourth pick is, what I think Oakland has. Still get their guy. Yeah, and still get the guy, which uh, is apparently Dwayne Haskins. And that made a lot of sense to me. So does that mean, you know, Josh Rosen is still out? Sure. But, you know, that means there will be nothing done with Rosen until – the draft itself. Yeah. And so the Redskins would then have to be very patient. If they're not patient, 
they'll give up too much probably to get to get Rosen. So I would say at the very least, let free agency open and see what happens, and then move uh, deliberately, slowly, and cautiously. And that would be my advice. As far as Rosen himself, uh, I would like to see it happen. I don't want to overpay for the young man, but uh, can he be a franchise QB? I think he can be close. Uh, and that might be good enough, especially in a Jay Gruden system. Yeah, that that begs, I'm sorry, that begs the question uh, real quick. What would be too much for him, do you think? Uh, I would say a first-rounder and perhaps a second-rounder. I, 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 I would be okay if it was just a first-rounder, whether it be this year, next year, or even in 2021 which I don't think would happen. But if you're starting to get first and second rounders, uh, you know, the Redskins made a trade uh, back in 2012 for Robert Griffin and paid way too much. I think with uh, Josh Rosen, I think he does have a bright future. Uh, He's a good pocket passer. He may not be good on the run, but that's something that can be taught, and he can learn that. But being a good pocket passer... I think is the foundation of starting to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like him. Um, I think, I think it would, it could be a worthwhile transaction for the right price. Jacob, what are your thoughts on Rosen? Cause I know it's, it's really kind of piled on these past few days where, you know, at first it was like, all right, you know, this is just a pipe dream, you know, it's not going to happen to wow, this might actually happen. So what what's your take? Well, if, if Rosen is available, the Redskins yeah. should trade for him because they aren't going to get pretty – how I'll put it is they're not going to get a better bailout than this because the Alex Smith deal at the time they signed it seemed like it was going to be a, a good one and it would allow him to start for the team for a few seasons. They would eventually find a successor. That timeline has shifted drastically because of Alex Smith's unfortunate injury. And uh, now they need a cheap quarterback and they're – and they want it ahead of this season, which makes sense. They want a young, cheap quarterback because they need to develop someone in case Smith never comes back. And, you know, at this stage, none of the quarterbacks in this draft class are particularly enticing. Um, the 2019 quarterback class is much weaker than that of 2018, and it looks on paper weaker than that of 2020. So if they're looking to get value, get someone on a cheap deal, they can get Josh Rosen, who has NFL experience, he was my top-rated quarterback going into last year's draft from a talent standpoint. And it, it just makes too much sense that if the, if the Cardinals move him, the Redskins are the logical destination because they can give him a chance to start. They have him for three years in his fifth-year option if they want to exercise that. So uh, they'd be foolish not to do it. Even if the cost is the first-round pick, um, they're not going to get a better quarterback than him on that type of deal. Yeah. Nathan, we're we're almost out of time. Uh, are you in the same boat there? Yeah, definitely. I think he was my quarterback one going into last year's draft as well. I think he would have been the quarterback one had he stayed and came out this year. Uh, I agree with Ken where I wouldn't give up a first and second in the same year. Uh, if they want to do 15 this year and a second next year or this the second this year and the first next year, I'd be okay with it. I think that we saw reports that there's multiple teams interested. You're getting a young 
young player on a cheap deal at the most important position who was just a top 10 pick last year. I think that expecting giving away just a third rounder might do it. I think that's that's ludicrous, and I think that that was just kind of said, and I think that the more teams get involved, the higher that price goes. So I, do, I would like to see them make that move, and I know Ken says you, you know, wait it out and see how it's going in free agency, but I, I truly think that where the smoke does fire, and I think if it's there, I think that they need to pull the trigger and get it done as soon as they can because for a kid who's you know, had the year he had last year with a bad coaching staff to come here to essentially a coach that's in a lame duck year. He's going to need to get in here and get familiar as quickly as he can to, A, have success for him, but B, potentially save his coach from being, you know, out the door at the end of the year and, and really having him face the same situation he did last year. So I think that it's crucial that they get him here as soon as they can, and I think that they, they know that they need to make a big move to get fans reinterested. And if it's not Kyler, I think Rosen's the next best thing. So I, I would really like to see it. Um, I saw a report. I don't know who reported it. It may have been J.P. Finley, but don't quote me on that, where he said that at the combine he's heard nothing that makes it seem like uh, Alex Smith will ever play football again, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, that w- with that coming out, it's more important than ever for them to try to find that next guy under center, a guy that, that something they haven't gotten right since who knows who knows when last time. So I think making a move for Rosen would be logical, smart, and I think that, they, they shouldn't have to give up too, too much to do it. Maybe the first this year and, and that Cousins comp pick, which I think everyone kind of just assumes will be included regardless. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's crazy, man. We'll just we'll just have to hang on and see what happens because it's a lot of speculation, nothing confirmed yet, but it makes sense, you know, and, it, you know, it's it's just crazy enough where it just might happen. So we'll see. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Ken, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, always good to have you on and, uh, Guys, uh, peace out. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.